Okay, so we're going to be learning the Das Taira from Mebiruchim, Zechitadik Levracha, on Parshas. It's Parshas Kedashim, but somebody took the Bayikra of the Das Taira from the Mesh Medrash, so I improvised. I took a Devarim, and I found something in the back. I looked in the index, and we found something from Parshas Kedashim um, in Parshas Shaiftim. Okay, so that's how you have to do it sometimes. Um, the Pasuk says, Ish Pasuk in this week's parsha, a man, his mother and his father, he must fear. Rashi says, Kan hiktim aim la'av. By fearing your parents, there's two mitzvahs. There's kabedis avicha, vesimecha, and then there's ish imayva'aviv tiros. Interesting that by yira, the mother precedes the father. By the father precedes the mother. Right? Interesting. So Rashi takes note of that. And Rashi says that by by fearing your mother and your father, the, the mother comes before the father. You know why? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows that a person naturally, who is he more afraid of, his mother or his father? Father, father right? A pe- person's more afraid of their father than their mother. And therefore, the Torah switches it. You might think to say, okay, so you don't, um, you know, you don't have to have fear of your mother because naturally it's your father that you fear. No, you have to like make a special effort to fear your mother also, even though naturally you wouldn't be inclined to fear your mother. And then also the, the flip side is true also. Who does a person have more admiration for? Generally, the mother. We'll see about this, but the mother. So therefore, there by Kibbut Ava'im, we put the father first. I Meaning a person is generally speaking, doesn't have to happen in every case, obviously, but generally speaking, a person has more fear of his father and more love, admiration, respect for his mother. Doesn't mean he doesn't have that for his father, but a, a, a child feels closer and warmer uh, and more, more wanting to respect his mother than his father, and, and the opposite uh, um, by Yira. So, therefore, the Torah is maktim, the mother to the father by Myra, by Yira, ish imai v'av tiro, give your mother an extra dose of Yira, even though naturally you're going to give your father that. And by Kibud, by honoring, you should make an effort to honor your father because your mother has a natural head start over him, so give a little bit more effort uh, with your father. That's what the Rashi basically says. So Rabbi Ruchim points out in his brilliance, Who knows this? Like Who, who actually plumbed the depth of a human heart to know what the natural instinct is of a, of a person to his father versus his mother. Like, who, who could know that? The imnisha la'adam, if you ask a person, does your mother love you more than your father? Could you say, absolutely? You don't know that. It's something that 
I guess it depends on the parents. It depends on, on uh, you know, how, it's, it's not something that you could really know. The It's only, this is something that, um, you know, from a child's perspective, they might have a hergish about this, but like, what, like, who's, who's knowing this for a fact? The Afal Pikain Hikdima Tara Mishum Zeh Mira Aim Laav. The Shambarashi Ubikibud Hikdim Avla Aim. Then when it comes to Kavid, the father comes before the mother. The son honors the mother more than the father, like we said before, because she always like spends time with him, schmoozes with him, uh, raises him. So kvar ein hakavit shave v'tzricha kvar atayr lazhar chadasha v'chein matzina b'tayr leisakal cheresh. The pasuk also says, also in this week's parsha, don't curse a deaf person. Don't leisakal cheresh. Havalai also lekal kol adam v'lamanem rechesh. Why the Torah say a cheresh? Well, it's mutter to curse any curse out anyone you want, but. Make sure he's not a cherish before you do it. No, you're not allowed to curse anybody. You're not allowed to curse anybody. So why did the Torah say cherish? Vamru Chazal Chazal jump and explain shalei diber hakasav ela b'hayve that the Torah only spoke in the present. It's speaking in the present. V'lochayra harizahu kayach mishaches ad ma'ay. Meaning, what does it mean? It's speaking in the present. That's that's what people do. People curse deaf people. Why? Because they can't hear. So it's easy for me to curse them because there's not going to be any... I'd be afraid to go and curse somebody that can hear out because then he's going to have tightness on me, he's going to be an enemy of mine. But if a guy can't hear, okay, so now he's, he's fair game. Or he's, he's free game for me. So... There's no... There's no... There's no... There's no... There's no... It sounds like if somebody can hear, it's mutter to curse him. This is a disgusting thing. It's not a nice thing, the fact, the fact that I would feel a lot freer to curse somebody that can hear. It's not nice. But yet the Torah goes out of its way and, and focuses on that. It's a fascinating thing, right? What do you see from here? What's the takeaway, says Rabbi Rucham? That the Torah is so deep. The Torah has gone to the, 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 the deep abyss inside of the human heart and has brought up so much information from there. It has gleaned so much that really can, can give us a lot of insight into what we're into what we're all about. The Torah is telling us, as a, this is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's analysis of things. This isn't just I'm a guy writing a, a book. This is the Rabbi Nishalem telling us in the Sefer Torah, we just learned in this week's parasha, well, we just said a few things, right? We, we understand now what a human being's natural feeling is in terms of mother versus father, from Myra versus Kavad. Sometimes, you know, not sometimes, it seems to be across the board that a child will love a mother more than the father and wants to respect her. A child will fear a father more than the mother. Who says? The Rabbi Shalom says. The Rabbi Shalom says. 
who says that a person, um, how do you know that a person is really not nice and a person would curse out somebody if they can't hear him? The Torah says that. The Torah says, It doesn't mean just the Cherish, but this is what people do. How does the Torah know that that's a people? Because the Torah, the Rabbani Shalom, wired us. The Rabbani Shalom understands the depth of the human heart, the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. This isn't always flattering what, what's going on here. But it's like, it's like, you know, you can have a, a whole convention of psychologists and psychiatrists and, uh, you know, people that are therapists and trying to figure out exactly what makes a human being tick. But if you have, like, tyrodical glasses and you're able to read these chazalim with a certain eye like Rabbi Rucham had, you're able to learn so much about the human condition just by reading these Rashis. Look what's going on. We learn, you know, you'd have to have a study of a thousand people with a whole team of, to figure these things out. Like, what would people, you know, what are their reactions to their father, to their mother? You don't need to take a survey because the Torah is telling you what, what a human being feels towards a father, feels towards a mother. Way before Freud came up with these, you know, with notions about mothers versus fathers, here is the Torah. Thousands of years before any psychiatrist started, you know, delving into this, uh, into this concept, the Torah was already there. The Torah was already there telling us about how a person is not, you know, is coarse and, and doesn't mind um, cursing out somebody if they can't hear him, if it's a cherish or somebody that's not in the room, let's say, uh, even though he wouldn't do that if they were in the room or if they could hear. And so these are all things that uh, the Torah is being megalitas, and we can really learn so much. Another pasuk, v'chein lifnei iver in front of a blind person who not put a stumbling block. Dolabdafka iver, does that mean only a blind person am allowed to put a stumbling block? I can put a stumbling block in front of a, a person that can, that can see? Of course not. Not I can't put a stumbling block physically in front of people. And as Chazal says, it's not talking necessarily about a physical stumbling block, although it might, but it's really talking about what? What does it mean? What type of stumbling block is the Torah talking about? about giving an Eitzah that's not appropriate. Let's say you come to me and you say, uh, you know, uh, Rebbe, I, I don't know, I, I, I think that I want to sell my house. It's a great idea. I'd like to buy it. You know, I'll give you, you $100,000 for it. Okay, good deal. Good. You're not allowed to do that because you're oblivious, let's say, to the market value of your house. It's really, you know, many times that. And, uh, but I'm, I'm giving you an Eitzah. It's not a good Eitzah. So you're putting a stumbling block in front of somebody that's blind. It's blind in terms of unknowing. So that's another example. It doesn't mean literally an either. It means some. It means everybody. But dibra kasov bahayve eladaz haras hapikeach le taspik bli lahachshul haiver. The warning to the pikeach is not enough. Right? Lebli lahachshul haiver. Rabbi Blazer, the great Rabbi one of the great Bali Musar, one of the three top talmidim of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, hayadarkai. His way was not to speak from Rishchidesh Elul until after Yom Kippur. Can you imagine not speaking for 40 days? Obviously, he davened, he learned, but he didn't schmooze, he didn't like anything extraneous, he didn't do. He was a, a tremendous tzaddik. 
Amazing. Rabbi Rucham was Zaychet to be Mishamesh, Rabitzla, Rabitzla Blazer, Rabitzla Petterberg, Rabbi Rucham Lavavitz was Mishamishim. Who knew? So he says, when I was Zaychet to Mishamishim, I noticed, I felt, when he started talking, Godol Pachtai Umayrai Alai Yaiser. I felt like nervous around him more. When he wasn't speaking, I felt okay. When he started talking, I guess maybe after Yom Kippur, whenever it was that he started talking again, I, was, I, I got really scared of, to be in his presence. Wasn't so scared when he was quiet, but when he was starting to talk, I got scared. Why? Why is it that I got more nervous around him when he started to speak? You know what the answer is? That's how a human being is wired. That there is a big difference between, there's, there's a perceptible difference between somebody that speaks and somebody that's silent. And the yira the warning of being afraid of a medaber is not enough still in order to fear, right? You need that extra, there's one thing to fear a medaber, there's one thing to fear somebody that's quiet because they're different. Fine. Anyway, so what he's trying to say, what Ruchim is trying to say is that we can learn a lot from every Pasig in Chumash, from every Rashi in Chumash. Not just as far as mitzvahs, not just about uh, different uh, musr that we could take from it, but human psychology, the, the way that human beings think, the way that human beings react. Wouldn't it be an interesting study, or maybe even a book, to write like psychology taken from the Torah? There's so much to glean. Look at what we, just in this week's parasha, and like within a few psukim, we're able to see so much. And if you're going through the whole Chumash, and you're able to, and he brings a lot more examples. Um, he brings a, an example from going to war. Al Yerach Levavchem, Al Tirov, Al Tachbezov, Al Tartzim The Torah Rashi says is warning you that when you go to war, there's four warnings of not being afraid. Okay? There's, you shouldn't be afraid of the clanking of the shields that they have. Um, they used to also, uh, and then when the, the horses start to like, you know, make their noises, the, 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 the clatter of the horse's feet and, uh, and uh, the hoofs that are running and they're screaming and then there's shifers, there's different types of, of sounds of war, of sensations of war. And the Torah is warning you by each of these, don't be afraid. Well, why can't the Torah say just when you go to war, don't be afraid? The answer is that the answer is that the Torah understands 
and is teaching us that every single matzav in life is a different, a different emotion. It's not enough just to say, don't be afraid. But the Torah is trying to like tap in to every single type of fear. There's a fear of hearing horses, oops, coming towards. There's another fear, although, uh, of hearing soldiers with their shields and maybe the, the banging of the shields that they do together. Then there's another fear of, uh, of, um, of the, uh, the screaming. They're, they're calling out and they're, they're, they're crying out. Then they blow their shifers. All of these things cause different reactions to human beings. You know, there's, in, um, in marketing, I, I took marketing courses when I was uh, studying. So um, in marketing, what they do is they do tests, they do um, test groups, it's called, I think. And they basically, let's say you'd be a test group, and we would put up, let's say, different, uh, we'd wire you all up, We'd put you. We put different like um, uh, sensors on you, and we'd be able to see like if we're if we're showing, let's say, a commercial for Coca Cola. How do you react to certain things, to certain sights, to certain sounds, to certain colors, and whatever you see on the screen, people sometimes get very happy, people get sad, people get excited, people get you know nervous. There's different things that elicit different human reactions because and, and marketers want to know exactly you know exactly in real time what things do because I want to be able to know how to market my product. Lahavdil, the Tyra understands that every little uh, type of fear is different. Human beings are different and human human beings react different to different stimuli. And so the Tyra has to tell us each thing. Don't be afraid of the horses, and don't be afraid of the of the of the shields, and don't be afraid of the screams, and don't be afraid of the of the shifers. And each of them, the Tyra understands a different kayach nefesh of a person. And the Torah understands for each and every circumstance that I have to again calm you down and, and not assume that you're going to be okay. And we see this, you say, that on every Chut HaSairah, things change. And the Torah is very cognizant of change. Why are we learning this tonight? What's the, what's the takeaway for us? Okay, good. So the Torah, obviously, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made us HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But that's important for us to know. It's very important for us to know that, and in fact, we say this a lot, especially during Aser Simei or actually we say this every day by Tachanan, um, we say it in different, more dramatically, I think, during Rosh Yom Kippur. Um, but every day by Tachem, we say, He knows my Yetzer. Remember that I'm just flesh and blood. You see, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu understands so well the human condition, and he understands the different stimuli and how he has to calm us down for each and every one of them, and if he understands how we relate to our fathers and how we relate to our mothers and how they're different, and if he understands about how we would treat a, a, a blind person, how we would treat a ferish, and that we're not, the human being is not always so compassionate and he's not always so sensitive. And as HaKadosh Baruch knows that we could be, that we're human, he designed us this way. He goes to the nth degree in the Torah to, to define us for ourselves, to know the difference. What I take away from that is that 
he knows me. He gets me. And therefore, if I do an Avera, if I am, you know, sometimes, if I slip up, and that's, we're not proud when we slip up, but it's, it's part of being a human being. We do Averas. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows that we do Averas. He created the Yitzhar. It's not like, hey, why is Bamberger doing an Avera? Like, why would he do that? I thought he was like a perfect person. No. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a Yitzhar, and he put a Yitzhar in me. He knows that I'm fighting a battle. He knows that there's always an internal conflict brewing within me. Should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I watch this? Should I not? Should I say this? Should I not say? Should I learn? Should I not learn? He knows the. He has a. He he created the Eight Sahara. If he created the Eight Sahara, he understands its power, its potential, and he understands that I'm a human being and that I could sometimes slip up, and that's a good thing to know. Because if a Ben Tyra doesn't know that, then we could really go through life feeling like a failure, feeling like very uh, broken, and feeling depressed, like, how did I do that? I thought I was a Ben Tyra. And there, it's not, I'm not saying that we should feel, okay, good, I do Averis, great. We're obviously not supposed to do Averis, and when we do Averis, we should feel bad a little bit, and we should do Tshuva, and then move on. But in terms of the the digesting the Averis that we do and trying to come to terms with how that happened, it's not such a shock. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu understands it because he created the Yitzhara. It's like, it's like if I make a, you know, if I make a, a Gailam, let's say, if I had the power to create a Gailam and then I put him in the same room as you and I know the power of the Gailam because I created him, you know, and then, uh, and then you, you know, he beats, a, beats you to a pulp. Well, it's not such a shock because I know that I, I created a superhero here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the Yitzhar. It's very powerful. And when we're able to vanquish it, he, he's very proud of us. And once in a while when we're not able to vanquish him, he's maybe disappointed, but he's not shocked. And he, he still loves us. He's not, like, uh, he's not casting us off and looking at us like a, you know, like, like a horrible Russia. He understands that we're human. Because he, he created Zachar Kiyafar. Remember, I'm made of flesh and blood. You know me. You understand me so well. You see the Tyra gets the human mind, the human heart, the human emotions, the human reactions. The Torah knows better than we could have. We could study psychology for the next thousand years and we won't understand you know, it as well as one line in Rashi. The Torah obviously gets us. It understands us through and through. Um, and that's, I think, very redeeming. It means, that, it means that whatever we've done in the past, whatever we will do in the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gets not, that's not an excuse to do it but in retrospect, once we've done and we're trying to like examine our ways and trying to do tshuva and and vidui and like how did I do this and we should have that arrogance. That's what Rabbi in the Shari Tshuva like famously says. You're supposed to like go through yagain and anacha and, and all types of tsar in the process of of a real tshuva. And you should ask yourself, what did I do? And how was I? How was I? I so mutinous. The Rabbi who does. There's that process, but as far as the HaKadosh Baruch Hu and our relationship, it shouldn't really in any way adversely affect it because we have to constantly remind ourselves that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us and he, he understands us and he gets it and he understands better than we do. We think we're a bigger maven on our Yitzhar than the Rabbi Nishayim. We're not. HaKadosh Baruch Hu understands us. And 
And the same thing is true, by the way, the other side, the Eitzra Ataiv, HaKadosh Baruch created that also. And, and he expects a lot from us because he knows that side of He knows how much potential we have. We don't realize how much potential we have because we're just like, you know, we live in a very limited box and we expect, we set the bar pretty low for ourselves, generally speaking. And we're mistopic b'mud. If we do a little davening, we do a little learning, we do a little tzedakah, that's good enough. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu realizes the unlimited potential that we have because he created us. He created with so much, so much in us. There's so much potential. I always use a muscle of, uh, you know, these kids in Belgium. Um, not these kids, any kid in Belgium. You know how, much, how many languages the average people in Belgium, I don't know, Guyan, but Jews. You know how many languages, the, an average kid, not a genius kid, not an Eloy, a regular kid like you and me. How many languages do you think they know fluently? Generally, I think they know about seven languages fluently. They know English very well. I'm not saying everybody, I don't know the Hasidim there, but like my friends that are from England, from, from Belgium, they know English, they know Yiddish, they know Hebrew, they know Flemish, they know uh, German, they know French, and, uh, and one other, Hebrew, I don't know if I said Hebrew, they, they, I think they know six or seven languages fluently. How do they do that? How did that happen? We're, you, know, I, 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 you know, we have a hard time knowing anything but English. English is ours, but like if, if I'd have to start sitting and learning French, but it would probably literally take me you know, 10 years, and I still would speak like an American, right? And they promise you on these commercials, Rosetta Stone, whatever, you learn in 30 days below, I want to see somebody that, that learns Spanish in 30 days. I'm sure he speaks really amazing, right? It's, it's all, it's all. How do these little kids do it? The answer is that we don't understand the human brain. The human potential is so great. When you're a little kid, you could ship all this information and the mind is like just gobbling it up and they know how to switch languages, they know which language. They, like our brain is really powerful, just like we only learn English as a kid. They don't want to you know, over overtax our, our minds. They don't, you know, Gemara, like in Eretz Yisrael, the Zilberstein people, Zilbermen, whatever, they're right there, they're like chazring shas mishnayis, shas Gemara. Like by the time they're bar mitzvah, they're already like, are making siyam after siyam after siyam. And we like, you know, by seventh grade, maybe they'll start learning a parak of Gemara and making it like, we're, we're, we're so like, we treat our kids with, and, and we, we were treated with such kid gloves and it's a shame because the time to really pack it in is when your mind is really young and, and malleable. Reb Chaim Kanievsky, you know, taught his, all, his, all his boys Shas, I think before their Ramitzah, Shas Gemara, not Mishnayis. And they know it, you know. So the point is that we have so much potential. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows the potential of the Yitzhahara, but he also knows the potential for the Yitzhahara Taiv. And we have to know, we have to like start examining and exploring the deeper recesses of our minds, of our hearts, and understand the potential that we have, not just for the bad that we do, and we explain that away, but we also have to realize how much good we have in us. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sitting and waiting, you know, to get nachas from all of the potential that he gave us, and our job is to try to, you know, to slowly but surely raise the bar of, of what we're doing with our life. Raise the bar of Tyra, of Yerushamayim, of Kavana by Davening, of Chesed, of, of understanding of Avana, of Amkos, of Bekiyos, of Ion, whatever it is, but 
we could do so much more than we're doing. We just have to really set our minds to it. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is waiting uh, to Shep Nachas.